What's up, guys? Conor O'Hanlon here for another episode of the Con O Show. And today we are going to be going through a long, long list of topics that are important, but each and each one of them is a little bit smaller than a normal uh, full, maybe 30 minutes would provide in an episode. I say that now, and I may be wrong. This first one is quite a doozy, and I, I have sure have a lot to say about it. But we're going to go over the QAnon rally, the uh, Patriot Roundup BS, whatever they want to call it. Uh, that QAnon rally that had happened in uh, Texas this past weekend. We're going to be talking about the voter uh, restrictions that are also happening in Texas um, and how the Democrats thwarted an effort to restrict voting in Texas even further. We're going to be talking about the Tulsa race riot that happened 100 years ago to the date. I mean, now that I'm recording this a few days late, but to the date of May 31st. So we're going to talk about that, talk about how far we've come, how we have a lot further to go, and the implications of recognizing it. And then we're going to also talk about lean into uh, just briefly talking about Pride Month. I plan on talking about this more later in the month, but just want to bring it up uh, at the beginning so that we establish, you know, that it's important, talk about it, um, promote some stuff that it will be going on in Doylestown and in Bucks County, hopefully. And lastly, but not leastly, we will talk about the potential of Benjamin Netanyahu being I would say ousted at on some level um, from his prime ministership, if that's the right way, way of putting it, in Israel um, following another election and a potential coalition that has been formed. And we're going to talk about parliamentarian systems in that part. With all that being said, if this sounds of interest to you, I don't normally put these at the front, but please, please, please hit the subscribe button down below if you're watching on YouTube. We could really use your help right now in growing the show and the reach of this show and hit the thumbs up. The engagement and comments are really, really what boosts the show's uh, reach. So I could really use some help on that and I would really appreciate it. With that being said, we will jump right into the Patriot Roundup, which almost sounds funny because you are rounding up the Patriots, but you're rounding them up like a bunch of sheep to listen to people like Sidney Powell, to people, I don't know if exactly if Matt Gates was there, but Matt Gates and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene have been going on tour, so there are people that have been going to see those wonderful people, uh, and they are going to listen to them speak about the bile <laughs> that they spew uh, wherever they go. So like Matt Gates talking about you know, using the Second Amendment to storm the Capitol again. And Marjorie Taylor Greene talking about all the stupid shit that she says all the time. Uh, pretty much, yeah, I mean, pretty much on a daily basis. If you're going to see her on the news, it's going to be about something that she says that is really, really, really stupid. Um, but the QAnon rally uh, didn't really catch my uh, eye until after it happened on Monday of this week. And I record these later in the week. But it happened this past weekend, so if you're watching this 
in, you know, in June. It happened in May, the last weekend of May. Um, and it's not called the QAnon rally because it was, you know, the QAnon leaders were kind of ousted. But we had Michael Flynn there, of course, who uh, Barack Obama warned Donald Trump not to have in his administration. He did. He warned him. I mean, granted, he shouldn't have been anywhere near the levers of power ever. But under Trump's administration, he was given uh, the position of security, uh, national security advisor, which then he got caught trying to extract and kidnap someone in the United States and export them, basically, and get them, you know, whatever the the the, the foreign government would like to do with it. I believe it was with Ukraine. Um whatever they would like to do. So basically he was operating as a, an agent for a foreign official that wasn't registered. He got arrested, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's not that important to today's stories other than the fact that it's just interesting to note that he's a nut job. And furthermore, um, the QAnon rally is important to talk about. The Patriot roundup is important to talk about specifically because I believe that the longer no action is taken by other Republicans, which frankly, at this point, I see no points drawing distinctions from a political uh, and rhetorical standpoint as a political operative, right? So as chairman, I see no value in distinguishing between those uh, people at this point, because the party is the QAnon party. It is the Trump party. That does not make every single person that identifies a Republican a QAnon supporter. Okay? Nuance. We bring nuance in this show. When I say... It is the party. Most people do not pay attention to politics. I have people telling me all the time, you know, it's quiet now. Now that Biden's elected, I don't know what's going on. That is both good and bad because a lot of times the people that don't know what's going on, they don't care what's going on because they have the privilege to not have to care or to worry. So in the cover of darkness, you can do whatever, which... Biden isn't doing, and we'll talk about that on the tail end of this piece, but um, you can do a lot of the stuff that otherwise, like, just people don't care or don't recognize because they're not as worked up as they were under Trump, and that's good, and it's bad, because now, also, there are people that should be paying attention that aren't paying attention, and they won't come out and vote, and they won't go out and door knock, they won't go out and volunteer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Republicans that do not identify with QAnon, that do not identify, and this is the voters, I'm saying, for for all intents and purposes, when we talk about the Republican Party elected officials, they are the Trump Party. They are the QAnon Party at this point. There's no distinction. We'll get to that more in a second. But if you are a voter, you somehow stumbled upon my video. Good for you. Uh, welcome. But... The Republican Party doesn't care about your interests. If you look like me, if you sound like me, or if you don't look like me, you don't sound like me, you don't, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you are a Christian. 
and I, the reason why I say you look like me, the vast majority, I think it's over 80% of the Republicans are uh, white. I think it's probably more than that. I think it's probably over 90%, but I don't want to spit numbers out that are false, especially white men. So white men that maybe found this channel somehow, it's okay to realize that we have been wrong. That we come from a place of privilege and we can use that privilege to fight for the betterment of all society because in solidarity, we collectively can make change happen. And you may look like me and you might say, my life sucks, my life's hard. Yeah, I'm not, nobody is saying that it's not. The point is that we are trying to fight together. If you were supporting the party of these radical right-wing Reaganomics supporters that are nationalistic, are xenophobic, racist, they're not fighting for you. They are using a tool to make you upset, to scapegoat a group of people that may not look like you to get you upset, which lends you to be here potentially, which means if you would like to, you can switch over. The Democratic Party used to represent the working class uh, a lot better than it does now. My shirt says tax the rich. Okay, if you're not, if you're listening to the Apple podcast version or the Spotify version of the show, you don't see that. The reason why it doesn't say tax the middle class is because the middle class pays their fair share of taxes. In fact, they could end up paying less in a tax bracket breakdown that, say, someone like me came up with. But that is because I am not afraid of saying if you were in the 1950s, the $400,000 threshold that would have had you pay over 90% marginal tax rate should be adjusted towards today. Now, I wouldn't have to say 91%. I could say, which is widely accepted by numerous studies, 70% top marginal tax rate over, let's just say, $10 million a year. And that wouldn't affect anybody watching this show. It wouldn't affect your family. It wouldn't affect your cousins. It wouldn't affect your, probably wouldn't even affect your bosses, frankly. There is a distinction there. And Q, QAnon is another red herring. We have talked about red herrings when it comes to critical race theory. I talked about it last week. And this, these don't mean, when I say it's a red herring, that does not mean it is not important. There is no value to it. That doesn't mean that there is some truth to it, um, which there is no truth to QAnon. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I throw that red herring label out there to say it's a distraction. QAnon for those who don't know, is a conspiracy theory that basically says that there are wealthy elites, specifically Democrats, they usually say, that 
own and operate sex child uh, trafficking rings, which I'll be frank, there are people that have sex trafficking as part of their, you know, I guess, I don't even know how to put that, their livelihoods. But it is not exclusively one party. In fact, it's more, you're talking about a level of society that none of us have seen, none of us will ever see and operate with. You're talking about the Epsteins of the world, the billionaire class, the multimillionaire class that frankly has too much power. QAnon operates with that and then runs with it and says that Q is an operative that was in the Trump administration. Some believed it was Trump. Some believed it was some uh, advisor. For our sake, it doesn't matter. There is a documentary about that. I have not watched it, frankly, but I have gotten enough of the input from uh, listening to these people speak, engaging with them at the polls, which is crazy. I know. I talked to I've talked to two people in person now that stormed the Capitol building that if I had brought that up would have been a game changing uh, discussion point. They would just dis, just dis, dismiss me. I talked to them about other things to pick their brains because it's interesting and I can talk about it on here. But basically, QAnon was saying like, all right, well, we have our inside man. He's going to tell us what to do. We're going to take his orders, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're going to figure out how to stop this sex trafficking ring, which in the grand scheme of things, if people, you and I, had the ability to recognize uh, and get rid of sex trafficking, we would do it. It's a That's a good thing. We don't want people, we, especially children. Because children are the ones that are getting the most um, abused and abducted and all the stuff that, you know, you can imagine that can possibly go on. It is not, if it was so easy to say, okay, we got one guy and he's going to tell us what to do. I can't imagine that we wouldn't have already solved the issue. Because it's. These people that we're talking about, these QAnoners, are not afraid of utilizing violent means. And that is where the scary part comes in. They perceive, they perceive me, they perceive you, they perceive anyone that is a Democrat, anyone that is not believing in the conspiracy, and you know, frankly, the you know calling um, calling a conspiracy has a connotation. I mean it with the full connotation of a conspiracy theory. Like it is a whack job thought. It is not. It is not like I'm saying, oh, there's a conspiracy that said you know JFK got assassinated by whatever, and it's like, all right, you can explore that stuff, whatever. No, this is. The full stigma of the, the phrase conspiracy theory should be thrown onto QAnon. It is BS. There's not even really a grain of truth to pivot off of there. And the reason they're not calling it the QAnon rally now is because they're just trying to broaden out a little bit. Because the Republicans are good at rhetoric. They keep it simple. And that is where... 
the Bucks County GOP steps in, and we have Andy Meehan, which I highly doubt he will ever see this, but we have gotten into spats on uh, Twitter before, and you know we've crossed paths in person before. Every once in a while, he didn't know who I was. Um, thankfully for my sake, because I don't care to talk to him uh, that much, but he ran for Congress in 2020, and he primaried Brian Fitzpatrick. And if you don't know who Brian Fitzpatrick is, Brian Fitzpatrick is the self-proclaimed most moderate, most independent uh, congressman in the United States. It is complete bullshit. Brian Fitzpatrick is not a moderate. Brian Fitzpatrick just yesterday was putting out stuff with Dan Crenshaw and Tom Cotton, two of the most insanely right-wing politicians in this country, talking about woke ideology. He is not a moderate. He voted with Trump overwhelmingly in Trump's four years. And Meehan primaried Fitzpatrick from the right and lost by about, I want to say 9,000 votes, which in a county of, you know, in that, in our county, it's, it's not a close race, but it's not a complete blowout from an incumbent that has name recognition that even Democrats vote for him. Even Democrats vote for Fitzpatrick, which is bullshit. If you're a Democrat and you vote for Fitzpatrick, you are not a Democrat. Let me just tell you. Um, but with that said, uh, Meehan did just chunk off the, in the 2020 race a huge portion of the Republican Party, which is hard to do to an incumbent. Uh and he's not very charismatic. Neither of them are, but Mian's not that charismatic. He is a blowhard, and he was speaking at this QAnon rally. And people like him have started the these groups in Bucks County for, you know, putting kids back in schools and doing this and that and the other thing. Not really taking the long-term perspective of, hmm... Maybe if we tackle COVID in September, when the kids go back to school, they won't have to wear masks. They hmm, can all go into school. They can play sports. Oh, wait, they're already playing sports. Most kids are already back in schools. And they're going to now, based on a special vote in Central Bucks, but just broadly speaking, uh, which I disagree with the, like, we're in June now. School ends in June. It's not going to kill kids to wear a mask for 10 days. And most of the kids are not doubly vaccinated. So actually it would be better to have them um, wear masks throughout the rest of the year. And then next year when they come back, you just say, all right, you can choose. Because bozos like (laughs) Tucker Carlson... And people that watch that show and get brainwashed into believing that wearing a mask is child abuse. I'm sorry. If you believe that, you're not that bright. It's not that hard to wear a mask. They are obsessed with saying that people on the left want to control. It's about control. No, 
It's about taking down a virus that has killed 600,000 plus people in this country. You are not a patriot if you do not care about those people's lives. Millions of people in the, in the, in the world have died. Died. And they don't care because they have the minor inconvenience of wearing a mask. Or you can get vaccinated, but they don't believe in the vaccines either. It is the double whammy, the same allegory, or the same metaphor, I should say. It's parallels the abortion talk that we talked about last week, where it's they don't want you to be able to get an abortion, but they also don't want you to get um, birth control. Well, I can at least say if you gave everyone free access to birth control... Maybe I can see limiting some uh, rights through abortion. Maybe. But they don't support either. The, the, the difference is that they hold power on this issue. They hold power in many issues like this. And they can just say, you know what? We own the school board. We control it. So no more masks. And this, this group of people... Michael Flynn, Michael Flynn and people that have followed him called for a Myanmar style coup against Joe Biden. I will emphasize that one more time for you. If you're just listening to this in the background. People. So-called Americans that call themselves fucking patriots. Support a coup against our government. They tried once. They tried on January 6th. Oh, they said, no, that's that's just, you know, that wasn't anything. That was just a, you know, that was just a blip. There's just some people. Now they're just saying it out loud. They're just saying we should have a coup against Joe Biden. Joe Biden's not illegal. He's the illegally elected president, blah, blah, blah. They are not living in reality. So I am begging you, if you have voted Republican in the past, reevaluate your choices in who you vote for. Come talk with me. I'll talk with you. I love having conversations. You can tweet at me all you like. This is not the old school, you know, we just have some minor differences about tax policy. No, I'll talk to you about tax policy, but this is not that. This is this is nationalism. This is fascism knocking on the door. I mean, it's already here. I mean, we have people in Bucks County in the Central Bucks School District, which I couldn't attend the meeting because I can't get there in time but last night i guess you know wednesday if you're watching this uh anytime after on wednesday they had a vote just for this mask ruling and they and the week before that they ousted the chairman or the chairwoman of the board because they wanted control and they wanted to have these votes they're performative like i said school ends in 10 days they could wait to September and say like, yeah, no masks anymore. You don't have to wear them. And that's the thing. You don't have to wear them, but 
You should wear them if you're not vaccinated. I'm vaccinated. A lot of these people are not, and the kids are not. But the real worry here is that we have people now in the Biden administration, Joe Biden himself, we have Joe Manchin, uh, Kristen Cinema or Kirsten Cinema, um, all these um, all these other senators, uh, Mark Warner, that there's like four or five of them on the Democratic side that they're bending over backwards and capitulating to every demand. You know, Ronald Reagan says that Ronald Reagan, which you'll never hear me quote Ronald Reagan again, but he said. The U.S. government has a firm policy to not to capitulate to terrorist demands. Well, guess what? Those people that you were capitulating to were at the goddamn Capitol January 6th coming to hang Mike Pence. Again, to hang him. Why are you bending over backwards to capitulate to their demands rather than fighting for an infrastructure bill? Which is, this is what's crazy. You... You have people now bending over backwards to these GOP leaders and these GOP elected officials like Mitch McConnell. Why? On an infrastructure bill? Why? You know that they're not going to vote for it. No matter what you give them, they will not vote for it. They did not vote for the um, the uh, committee to look into the January 6th insurrection. So why the hell would you believe that they're going to vote for anything that spends more than a, a dollar. They won't. They won't do it. Biden has come forth and said, well, we'll actually just have a minimum corporate tax rate of 15% rather than raising it up to 28%, which is, it. 28% is 7% lower than it was in 2017. 28% is 7% lower than 35%. It, it, do both. Raise it back up. Add a minimum tax rate so that Amazon actually pays their freaking taxes. Close the loopholes. Don't bend over to these Republicans that are not going to vote for it. You're not going to strip it out of the bill. You're going to pass a bill with this stupid shit in it. And then you're going to be like, well, we had to do it to get Republicans. This is what they did with the ACA. They didn't get a single vote for the ACA from the Republican Party. Not one Republican voted for the Obama uh, Obama's um, Affordable Care Act and Patient Protection Act. Not one. And they they stripped out the public option from it to to capitulate to Republican demands. Not and they didn't put it back in to pass it. They will do the same thing over and over and over again. When will you learn your lesson? When will we learn our lesson that they will not respond to us unless we make noise? And I do not mean what those I don't want to call them names, but what those people did on January 6th, I would never advocate for something like that. Never. What I'm saying is call your representatives, call your state senators, call your state representatives, call your local government, call your county government and make things happen locally. Build up because when you do that, we can have our state rep call our, our senator. We can have our state senator call our senator. We can have our, our county call our congressman. 
But until then, people like Andy Meehan are going to take over the Republican Party. Now, I troll him and say, you know, you should start your own party. And he he's talked about doing it. They're not going to start their own party. They're going to take over the Republican Party. You watch watch exactly what I'm saying. These QAnon people have the reins of power on their side. We will be fighting them for the rest of our lives if we do not step up and beat them now. 2021, there are elections. Get out, volunteer, donate, do whatever you can, share this video, <laughs> and we can win. But it is a long road forward. With that, I'm going to take a quick break and we will come back with the rest of the stories that I have. I knew that I probably would talk about this for 30 minutes and I lied to you. So we're going to go speed round in the second half of the show. If you guys have enjoyed the show so far, hit the thumbs up down below. Leave a comment what you think. Um, hit the subscribe button. You can... If you want to support the show for as little as $5 a month, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash show. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can listen to the show if you want to just hear my lovely voice on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. With that, we will be right back. Welcome back to part two of the Con O show. And we're going to jump right into it as we have a number of stories that we have to talk about really quickly today in the remainder of today's episode. So we're going to jump right into the Texas attempts at voter uh, restrictions in, uh, you know, statewide Senate, Congress, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, and it's not good because... <laughs> Obviously, restricting voting rights has been a major goal, especially of the GOP, but in specific cases in the South more particularly. Now, I'll point out that the reason why we talk about racism, and we're going to talk about more of that in a second too, uh, in places that aren't the South is because racism is not based in a specific geographic area. You are not limited to being a racist just because you say racial slurs. You are not a racist just because you were living in 1960 and you, you know, I don't even want to throw out too many examples there, but you know what I'm saying. Racism today isn't really... Um, how do I put this, codified, and I'm putting that in quotes, because it is, but you have to dig a little bit deeper than most people really are willing to. And like we've said in the past, like you said earlier in the show, most people don't pay attention to the day-to-day -day operations of politics. In fact, you know, it's impossible for even for me to keep up with uh, everything from local all the way up to the federal government. So I have to read the news. I have to get summaries. I have to do this and that. And I have to pick and choose what I can read and what I can learn about each day. As much as I'd love to know everything, I know that I don't. And knowing that I know I don't 
makes me know that other people don't realize the history. And we're going to talk about more of the history too. We're going to, it's going to intertwine. This is how we're going to do the speed round. Um, the history of oppression that especially um, black people have gone through in this country, but all different uh, intersectional uh, groups, I should say, have been affected and oppressed throughout history. Not just American history, but history in general. Um, I mean, just look, like I've, I, I did talk about this earlier in the episode. You look like me, people would just say that you're white. But I'm both Irish and Italian, which I am by no means going to conflate the oppression that um, black and brown Americans have had in this country comparatively to what the Irish went through. Um, but just like a hundred years ago, I'm not considered, I wouldn't be considered white. White is a social construction of race that has been able to divide us based on what we look like because, you know, Irish is different than Italian, is different than uh, someone from Spain who is technically Hispanic, but can be white, can be non-white. Uh, I mean, you this all this stuff is basically just to say that voter restrictions have historically targeted people that are in the out group. And I'm putting that in quotes again for anyone not watching. Meaning, largely throughout our history, these voting restrictions have targeted black and brown people. But they've also included people that are poor. So poor white people included in that. Uh, they've included people with disabilities. Just say maybe you're blind. Um, they have, you know, the list goes on and on and on because if you can't, you know, in the, in the past long ago, I mean, not that long ago, but long ago, women couldn't vote. Women couldn't vote a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago. Um, we had poll taxes. We had exams. I mean, this stuff's insane to think about, but it's, in it's insane to think about for, Probably for you and I, if you're watching this, but for some people, they think that it is right to restrict voting and make it hard. Rather than it is an inalienable, an inalienable, I can't even say it, right of every citizen in this country. That if you are a citizen in this country, you should be able to vote. No questions asked. I don't care if you have a license. I don't care if you have, you know, I don't even know any other, any other sort of, um, ID. I mean, now where I go and vote and I have said this story before, but if you have not heard this before, cause you know, the show is growing exponentially, uh, where I vote, they don't check my ID where I vote in Doylestown. They don't check my ID. They check my signature and my signature, frankly, is not that clean, <laughs> Uh, which that's not to say that you can't fake that, but what I'm saying is where the majority over 85% of people are white, the voter restrictions are very, very loose. 
And they're designed that way, especially in Pennsylvania, and especially in states that are controlled by the GOP. But the history rolls back all the way back to the Civil War. Country, I mean, sorry, well, it wasn't because it's own country, but states that left the Union, the traitors that left the Union in order to form the Confederacy, those states later down the line were added to a restricted list of, of places because also those states largely overlapped with ones with very, very strict uh, Jim Crow laws when it comes to voting and, you know, just segregation in general. But those states in the, I believe, the Voting Rights Act um, were listed and any changes to their voting rules and uh, state laws would have to be approved by the Supreme Court for them to to, um, approve them and change them in upcoming elections. Roll it to today. And in the past few years, the Supreme Court has said, we don't need to reauthorize the Voting Rights Act. Uh, in fact, they haven't reauthorized the Voting Rights Act in, in, in Congress. And thus, the Supreme Court has basically said, okay, well, these, these states can do whatever they want now. So you have states that otherwise, like let's just say Georgia, We've talked about Georgia's restrictions in the past. They they are going, and I'm going to put this very politely too here. If you're watching this show and you think that um, Pennsylvania is bad, Pennsylvania is bad when it comes to access to voting, but look further into the restrictions in the Georgia voting and just take a little peek at that just before you say that it's worse here I'll, I'll just throw that out there it's not there are certain aspects in which we are worse but overall not the case especially with proposals i mean the p if the pa gop got what they wanted it would be a hell of a lot worse uh in pennsylvania but these states are not supposed to be able to change the voting laws without their approval because they historically have targeted black and brown communities and poor communities where uh, all these people would not be able to vote or make it extremely hard for them to vote. Um, and overwhelmingly, poor people, um, let's just say working class people, people of um, black and brown descent, people of you know i mean you name it anybody that's not affluent and frankly white is more likely than not going to vote democrat which that's just statistically true that is not to say that it has to be that way or it always will be that way frankly it's not that way right now um things are changing but just historically since the 60s where Lyndon Johnson basically said you know he didn't say it as uh, PC as I'm about to say it but he said like you know I lost the South to help all these you know black people uh, for you know basically a generation which he again he didn't say it that way and I'm very much cleaning it up 
but that's Lyndon Johnson, not me. <laughs> um, which, but it's true. We have lost the South ever since then, but we fought and got something that was right. That was just. And that's what this country is supposed to be about. Voter restrictions is literally the opposite of being American. It is anti-American to restrict people's right to vote. It is a right. Now, it's not written into the Constitution, which is why people say, oh, it's, it's actually technically not a right. No, it is a right in this country. Not every right in this country is written into the Constitution, okay? So before I get those stupid comments, which probably not going to get anyway, but just throwing it out there, just because something is not written in the Constitution does not mean it is not a right. With that being said, Texas has proposed to get, the Texas GOP has proposed to get rid of all mail-in voting. They have tried to get rid of all mail uh, drop boxes. They have tried to get rid of all early voting. They have restricted, they've tried to restrict everything. Everything. Now, what is nice to see for once is a group of Democrats playing hardball. Not the federal Democrats, not even the local Democrats. Um, we're too busy fighting amongst each other a lot of the times uh, for stupid reasons. The Texas state uh, legislatures, the Democrats, realized that if they walked out, that the GOP did not have a quorum, which just basically means they didn't have enough people to meet a threshold to hold a meeting or a hearing. And when you get below that quorum, the meeting or the session is adjourned. And under this specific rule, what would happen is now in the next session, they'll come back. They have to do the whole hearing process over again. So now that they've brought attention to it, they're saying, hey, look at these people. They are trying to take away your right to vote, which is true, which is not a lie. It is not a fabrication in the slightest. It is true. They're going to bring more attention to it. They can raise money. They can help focus on GOTV efforts in the next year. They can turn te pe Texas in the long term blue. It's getting close. But I just like to point out, as we are learning how to flex our muscles as young progressives, as progressives in general, we might not have... The Arnold Schwarzenegger arms yet. We might not be able to just flex and just win Mr. Olympia, which basically be like, all right, we're going to pass Medicare for all. We're going to pass Green New Deal, etc. But we can learn that when we are strong enough together, we can flex our muscle. We can win the battle and you need to win battles to win a war. You can't win a war when you've lost every battle. And you have to be willing to fight the battles and lose every once in a while, which this one might go down as a loss in the long term. 
But in the short term, it is a win for us, for America, to have more people engaged and in voting. This historically lets me go very smoothly into a segue into talking about the 100th anniversary. And I'm just going to briefly talk about this because this is not a an area of, I should say, like expertise of mine. Um, I frankly, this is one of those things that I learned about it in school. And I feel like I am of the exception to the rule. Most people have never heard of the Tulsa, the 1921 Tulsa race riot. And even calling it a race riot kind of just like rubs me the wrong way. Uh, that is what it's called. Uh, but it was really a group of white people of the KKK. You know, I'm, that's a comma. That's not saying all of those white people are in the KKK, by the way. In 1920, there was a huge resurgence of racism in this country. And it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in what was colloquial, colloquially, I don't even know how to say that word, um, known as Black Wall Street. And the reason I really want to talk about this here today is not because I'm going to be able to provide you some grand narrative and say like, you know, oh, like uh, give you stories and stuff. No, just just Google, there are people that are still alive, there's a few of them that are still alive today that experienced it. There's history to be learned there, there's things to be absorbed. But the real reason why I want to talk about that is this is a hundred years ago. The Civil Rights Act was passed in 1965. Uh, I think. 1964 and 1965. Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act, regardless. You know what I mean. We have had so much time pass between these events. We had segregation a hundred years ago. We had lynchings, public lynchings in this country. I talk about... Uh, I, I, you know, just I've talked to people about this and I, I try to remember to make this connection. I talk about Fred Hampton a lot on the show. Fred Hampton's mom babysat Emmett Till when he was a kid. Emmett Till was falsely accused of rape and was murdered as a kid. And his body was mutilated. Now, I learned about that in school. I saw it in my textbook. But that's not normal. And it should be. You sh we should be learning this stuff so that we don't repeat the history that is these atrocities. How should we be able to learn? There's a reason why we learn about the Holocaust. Is that we never forget. And people say that. Remember. You never forget. That's the phrase. There's a reason why people believe that it is real. And those who don't believe that it is real are idiots. If you don't believe the numbers that are taught to us, you are a moron. I'm sorry. 
the Holocaust, I mean, this isn't even, this is even controversial to say, was real. Those things are taught to us because they're important to know. They're important so that we know that when we see something even remotely close, we know to stop it before it ever gets to that point again. And I'm not saying it's one for one, but injustice, I mean, this is Martin Luther King. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. When a hundred years ago to the day, a thriving middle class, a thriving upper class of black folks was burnt to the ground and dozens of people were murdered. Dozens of black people in particular were murdered. We are not taught that. Why? Why? I don't think anyone has a good answer. I can't even tell you the answer because it's not the white American centric viewpoint of our history that is digestible. I get it. We want to talk about the heroes of our country and we should. I am a patriot. You've heard me call these people traitors. You've heard me say you are un-American if you don't support voting. I believe these things. I am, I bleed red, white, and blue. There's a reason why I talk about this stuff and I care about this stuff so freaking much. This is our country. All of our country. White, black, Asian, Hispanic, Native American, especially. Gay, straight, trans, cis, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, not, you know, atheist. It is our country, not some amorphous they. It is our country. I'm tired of being criticized for being un-American. I fight because I care about this country and I love this country. And we talk, I talk about these things in our history that are not nice, are not comforting, that are unsettling to the stomach because they are important. People ask, you know, I think people genuinely ask the questions uh, that, that don't have racist intent, although the questions are based in a racist, systematic uh, lens. They don't understand that when black people had started their own businesses, granted, they were segregated, but when they did it, they were burnt to the ground. When they tried to join, um, uh, you know, public schools, they were protested and they were thrown rocks at. There was, you know, there's so much stuff that we just don't learn. And we just know that Martin Luther King had a dream. That's not enough. It's not enough. But we'll talk about that much more 
as time goes on. Briefly, I'm going to talk about June being Pride Month. Just, I'm just going to talk about it briefly here just because it is important. And Pride also started with a riot. Uh, much One that ended up being much more in the positive, I guess, in a way, uh, than the other riot we just talked about. But Pride Month is important to celebrate. It's important to show solidarity, as I've talked about numerous times in the past. If you were in Bucks County, Doylestown's a place to be. You got to go um, to our Pride Fest later this month. Uh, there's going to be number of events. Just check out Doylestown Pride on uh, Instagram, on Facebook. I have no affiliation with them, but I just want you to know that as someone that, I mean, again, I come from such a place of, of privilege being a straight white cis man <laughs> that I know that I can utilize my privilege to bolster support, bolster solidarity, and that's my job. And I would expect the same thing when and if, if and when I ever needed it. Because that is how movements are built. That is how we show that we care. And it shouldn't be that, you know, I say if I ever need it because I may never, may never need someone to come to my side that I helped. And that's not why we do things. It's not why we should do things. But if it's what gets you down to to show solidarity, then then just think of it that way. But lastly, the last thing I want to talk about is BB Netanyahu. <laughs> he is on his way out, given that the other parties, and I'll, I don't know all the parties in Israel. I'd, I'd be lying if I said that, but... I have some bad news, though. Although Netanyahu might be on his way out, this means that the far-right nationalist leader, and I'm going to pull up his name as I filibuster myself, is Bennett is his last name. He is part of the far-right nationalist uh, party, and that means that he will be gaining power. Most likely. Um, the way that this works quickly in a parliamentary system is that basically, and I've, again, we've, we've gone over this, so I'm going to keep it very brief, is it's functionally like, let's just say I'll use congressmen as the, uh, as the, the metaphor here, but we elect our congressmen and our congressmen then would elect the prime minister. That's pretty much how it works. Now, in parliamentary systems, they form coalitions and the coalitions will be like, all right, well, we have, just say in America, we have the Green Party, we have the Libertarian Party. They're third parties, but just for our sake, we'll use those. We have the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party and the Green Party, let's just say, have won 57% of the vote and they have 57% of the, let's, this is not actually how it would work in America, of course, but... We have 57% of the uh, representation, but the Democrats would have, let's just say, 40%, and the Green Party would have 17%, and together, they could form a coalition, and they would elect, let's just say, Bernie Sanders <laughs> as prime minister. Um, that is functionally how these uh, parliamentary systems work, and they operate in a way that 
they ha- they can basically call they're not called re-elections but they basically dissolve parliament the parliament and they will have another election so i think there's been four elections in the last two years in israel and netanyahu is on his way out and he's going to be replaced by someone that is probably just as far right which i haven't I haven't, this is happening today, so I haven't dug enough into it to see people's full reactions, but from what I've seen on, you know, like Twitter, which is not real life, guys, remember, Twitter is not real life, I've seen like an out, an outpouring in people that, in the few people that are talking about it, but in like celebration, but it's like, uh, a nationalist far right leader taking Netanyahu's positions, like, is it any better? Probably not. Maybe uh, if we dig into the the uh, party coalitions, we might see that there might be some better policy proposals. But domestically, I don't know what the issues are that make them align. And you know, foreign policy is not really exactly one that lends itself well to helping the Palestinians. Especially when you're electing a far-right nationalist. Maybe they'll be able to sit down at the table. Maybe the things will be able to work out. But I'm skeptical. It is hard to predict that anything good would come from this. But it is worth noting, as we have talked about the Israel-Palestinian conflict in the past couple of weeks. And... As I said in that episode, it seems that it was ramped up in a last-ditch effort for Netanyahu to hold on to his power. And it doesn't seem to have worked. So, with that, we're going to close off for this week. My throat is killing me from talking so much. Uh, So... If you guys have enjoyed the show, please do hit the subscribe button. Hit the, uh, the thumbs up if you like the show. Leave a comment down below on guests that you would like to see, what you thought about the show, etc. Um, Patreon.com slash The Econo Show. We will be having our first, I promise, I know I lied about this in the past, but we will be having our first uh, exclusive uh, early access for a book review of Angela Davis, uh, Freedom is a Constant Struggle. I will be recording that tomorrow. Um, and... You will have access to it early, and I will put it on the YouTube channel uh, eventually. It'll just be a few days later. So if you guys don't want to support us, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you if you can't, then you'll eventually be able to see that as well. Um, and if you want to make suggestions for extra content like that too, whether it be movies, books, etc., feel free to leave it down in the comments. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you there. Go follow the show. Um, And with all that being said, I will see you next week. Stay safe and be smart. (laughs) Peace. Peace.